Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is the next adventure. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Well, good morning. It is so nice to meet you. I cannot believe the, uh, the love and the welcome, gracious greeting that my wife and I have received. Thank you so much. Um, I'm Pastor Chris. Those of you who are wondering, how do I pronounce my last name? I'm going to give it to you right now. It's very simple. All right. Think of the word famous, but instead of Amos, think Amos, famous. And then Moses' brother, Aaron, famous Aaron. You got it? All right. All right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we now begin a new chapter and as we begin to look at the word, may you guide us and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know we're, uh, we're going to be studying 2 Corinthians chapter 5 first, but I want you first to close your Bibles. I want you to close your eyes, and we're going to go to the book of Matthew. I want you to experience this in your mind. We're going to read a story of Jesus and the disciples. So let's close our eyes and let's begin. Let's listen in. All right. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got out of the boat. He walked on water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. All right, let us open our eyes. I love that story. There's a lot of uh, things going on in this story. And we find Jesus, as usual, preaching, teaching, healing creating disciples. And he tells the disciples to get into the boat, to go to the other side, while he himself went on a mountainside to pray. Even Jesus needed time by himself to be able to re, uh, reconvene with the Father. Amen? Amen? But sometime through the course of that evening... He then decided to go to the disciples. 
And as the disciples at that point, for, for some time, they'd gotten in the boat and they were already going. They were in choppy waters. The wind had come up. The waves had gotten a little bigger and they were fighting against this water. And yet, in the middle of the night, they see something walking towards them. And if I'm the disciples, I'd probably be afraid because they'd never seen anybody walk on water. Have you? None. None of us have, right? And instantly they think, it's a ghost. And so they begin to be, they're afraid. And especially at that time too, they didn't really know what was below the ocean. They thought perhaps there was monsters. And when you have water that's pushing against the boat, you're naturally fearful. If you've, have you ever been in a boat where it's really choppy? It can be pretty scary, especially when a squall hits you. Well, the disciples see Jesus and instantly they cry out, it's a ghost. But Jesus says, take, take heart, it's me, it's Jesus. And I love Peter because Peter's always, number one, he's always asking questions and he's always, he's always the first to raise his hand to do something, right? And so he has this great idea. Lord, if you're walking, I want to walk with you too. So if you'll permit me, I'm going to get out on the boat. I want to walk to you, right? And Jesus says, come. And so he gets out of the boat. And he's walking slowly but surely. And he gets to Jesus. And just as he gets to Jesus, the wind picks up. And it gets even a little more stormier. And all of a sudden, his faith begins to buckle And slowly but surely, he starts sinking into the water. And instantly, he went from being courageous to being faithful to being scared out of his mind. And he says, Lord, save me! And instantly, Jesus stretches his hand out. He reaches out to him, grabs and takes hold of him. And they both walk back to the boat together. You know, if I was a disciple back then too, now this is not biblical. But one thing, I wonder if they teased Peter for crying. But at least, you know what, Peter? He got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. The comfort of the walls from being protected from the wind, he got out of the boat and he walked to Jesus by faith. Now, um, for some time, I've been a lifeguard since 2001. Um, I started as a lifeguard out at Camp Cedar Falls many, many years ago. And during the summer, we would watch kids. And I remember the first summer that I started as a lifeguard, we would tell the kids before they come in, please observe these rules, because if you don't, we're going to either ask you to Get out of the water, or we're going to send you back to your cabin, or wherever they go. And they said, sure, 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 sure. But you know kids. They want to run because they want to get to the water. But one of the things we'd make them do is, number one, before you get into the water, you got to rinse off because you don't all want all of that extra sunscreen or dirt in the pool. All right? One of the other things, the pool was not your personal bathroom. All right? Um... We also would ask them, if you're going to jump to the water, jump in the deep end. And the most important thing, if you don't know how to swim, where should you stay? 
The shallow end, right? You'd think. Yeah, kids. Yeah. Well, after camp had ended, it was the end of August, probably middle to end of August, and there was a group of boys. They were between the ages of 10 and 12. They were a church group. They weren't summer camp. And uh, I remember it was towards the end, probably about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'd already been at the pool. It's, I was tired. It was hot. It was kind of dry and, and windy, and I just wanted my shift to be done. And so this group comes up, and we tell them our expectations, like, sure, 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 sure. Right? And I've repeatedly said, if you don't know how to swim, stay in the shallow end. But boys are boys, right? I probably did this myself. I know I did, actually. When they got in the water, they hung around. But then you want to be cool, you want to be adventurous, and you don't know how to swim, what did you do? You go to the wall, you put both hands on the wall, and you slide down the wall. Right? A lot of you did this. You know what I'm talking about. And we had to tell them a couple times, go back to the shallow end. But there was one point where somehow they must have gone behind me, okay? because I was watching my area. I was watching the shallow end and part of the deep end. And somehow they snuck behind me, and I was paying attention, and all of a sudden, the partner I was working with blows her whistle, just this really high, shrill whistle sound. And instantly I look and I see two boys, one of them in particular I told to go back, and his buddy. And I thought they were fighting. But what had happened was one of the boys who didn't know how to swim thought he could just jump into the water and instantly turn around and catch the wall, right? Some of us have done that before. But when he jumped out, he jumped out a little too far. And instantly the wall wasn't right there. So his friend, he thought he'd be a cool guy and really help him out, jumped in to try to bring him to the side. But when you're actively drowning, when your mouth is below the water, all you want to do is what? You want to breathe. And so you'll do whatever it takes to get your mouth and nose above the water. And so when his friend jumped in, he wrapped his arms, and this is common, He wrapped his arms around his friend so he could push up. So then he was drowning, and then he was pushing his friend underneath the water. So they were both drowning at this point. I instantly, my training kicked in, and I jumped in, and I pulled the boys to the side. We pulled them out. The one who didn't know how to swim, I remember he was coughing up all this water. And they learned a very valuable lesson. That in life, there are things that you're told that maybe you should pay attention to. If you don't know how to swim, stay in the shallow end when you're ready. Then we can come to the deep end. So so, so many times in our lives where we feel like we just want to skip all of that and just get to the good stuff, right? We don't want to stay in the shallow end. We don't want to stay with the little kids. We want to be with the big kids. We want to play in the big pool. But there's a purpose in life as well, that before you can run, you have to crawl. You have to be able to actually stand up. And then you maybe wobbly take your first steps. And then your balance comes through, and then you'll be able to run. You know, in this experience, as I thought about um, 
There's a couple of parallels, though, that I can, I can surely relate to as a lifeguard. And especially in this story with Peter, is that Peter was with God. He got out of the boat on faith with God. And even in his unbelief, when he was starting to sink, God still reached out to him, as any other lifeguard probably would have, and they walked back to the boat together. Jesus was always doing ministry with the disciples, mentoring, teaching, and equipping, and empowering them to do the gospel work. And as we find through, not just in the gospels, but in the book of Acts as well, they regularly, even when Jesus was no longer with them, but they had the Holy Spirit, and they went out, and together they preached the good news. Now, some parallels as well to a swimming pool. You know, there's reasons why we have rules, guidelines. It's because we don't want people to get hurt, right? And yet as well, God has also given us instructions on how we should also live our life. He gave us a Sabbath. How many of you ever get tired before? How many of you get stressed, anxious? Sleep is good, right? We got the Sabbath. Praise the Lord. Sabbath is good. A time for us to just stop. Gather together as friends and family. To grow, to fellowship, to share. To share life and do life together. That's why we're here. We're here to encourage, to grow, and to learn about God. And yet it also says, you know, don't, don't take the Lord's name in vain. If you truly love somebody, why are you going to take their name and, and plaster it with mud? also says you probably shouldn't kill, because if you kill, then what's that family going to want to do? They're going to want to come after you, right? We look at the Ten Commandments as something that, oh, it's a burden, and it, it, um, it stuffs out what I want to do. Yet if we're faithful and we truly love God, we're going to want to do those things anyways, right? If we truly love God, we're going to honor and respect, not take God's name in vain. If we truly love our brother, we're not going to hurt them. We're not going to desire for what they have. We're going to love and honor our parents. We're going to find rest. So find it as 10 opportunities to be able to live a better and wholesome life. And that's why we as well, when these kids came into the pool, we wanted them to make sure that they didn't hit their head on the ground. We didn't want them to drown. We didn't want them to get hurt. Now, sometimes accidents happen as well. And uh, as a first responder, I'm trained in first aid and CPR. But you know, if somebody refuses treatment, can I force myself to help them? Nope can't do anything. If they say no, if I roll up to an accident and somebody's hurt and they push me away, nope, I can't do anything. Now, when they go unconscious, I consider it an implied consent, and which is legal, then you can try to help them. You call 911, you do what you can to help them, right? But yet, even when Christ as a lifeguard is trying to reach you into your own lives, how often do we sometimes want to push our God, our lifeguard, away? Jesus can't force himself on us if we don't want him in our lives. So be cognizant. God wants to be there for us. And yet as well, 
When I worked as a lifeguard, I worked anywhere from six to eight hours a day, from nine o'clock till about four o'clock. And yet, our God, Jesus, doesn't go off duty. He's always there, always present there to help us when we are in need. Now, in this journey as well of life, when we truly desire to want to have Christ come into our lives, we accept Jesus as our Savior. We're born and we're new creations. Now, I know in your your bulletins there's a, a verse, Second um, Corinthians chapter five. Let's go there. Let's read together. Second Corinthians chapter. We're going to start verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. All right, we all there? All right. So, from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Let's read together. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love this passage. There's so much uh, gold in this passage. Number one, when we become uh, a new believer, when we accept Christ, we become a new creation. How many of you have ever wanted just to have a new and clean slate? Right? When we give our life to Christ, we start off, we have a new and clean slate. So we are a new creation. We start off, as I talked about earlier, we start off as a baby. Now, when you're a baby, do you want to serve them carrots and ribeye? No. You're going to choke the child, right? We start with milk, and then we move to soft foods. And then slowly but surely, as they grow in strength and as they grow up, we give them harder things to chew on. Broccoli and carrots. And, and protein. And yet we sometimes forget too, though, when you're young, you sometimes, as I was talking about earlier, you don't just go from sitting to crawling to running a marathon. There's going to be times where you stand up, we're going to be trying to test the waters, and sometimes you fall, but you what? You get back up, right? And yet sometimes we have to be cognizant too of our brothers and sisters who are new in Christ, that in their journey, sometimes, well, not just them, but all of us, at some point, sometimes we make mistakes. We sometimes stumble. 
But as we walk together and as a church, as a community, we walk together to encourage, to love, and support. Now, I will say this too. I talked to the last three pastors who have pastored this church, Pastor Lou, Pastor Mitch, Pastor Kerry, and they all gave high marks on how you have loved each other so well. And it's one thing to be told that, but to be able to experience it and see it is a true and wonderful blessing that I'm able to be able to experience. And so I really look forward to walking together with you in Christ. So as we walk together, as we sometimes we stumble, we have to be patient with those who are new. And as well as, thank you, Tricia. Tricia is a, a sister from another mister. She's a dear friend of mine. She, uh, she's married to my best friend, Grant. And uh, thank you for coming out and singing. Um, you say, you have all of these impressions of who you think you are versus how God sees us. I find it very interesting, too, that this song, it's, it's a very popular pop song. You can find it on most, channel, uh, most uh, radio stations, but its roots uh, lie in Christianity. It's a beautiful song about who we are truly perceived, in, or not how we're perceived, but how we are viewed by God. It's a wonderful blessing. We are valued, we are loved. So never think that you are unloved. And yet, as we are new and as we grow, eventually we're taught, we're educated, and we're equipped because God has called us to be ambassadors, to be God's spokespeople, to go into this world. In fact, even in verses 14 and 15, it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that no one died, that one died for all, and therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer, longer, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God is calling us to be a part of the gospel ministry. His last words when he left here on earth to his disciples were to go to preach, teach, to baptize, to make new disciples. He gave us our mission. And so God is calling this church all of God's people, to go to help reconcile the world to him. We have a part and opportunity in sharing the gospel. And so, I want to invite you. Let's work together. My mission here, and this is my job description, I'm going to give it to you and you're going to hold me accountable to it, okay? Very, three, very simple, three things, I've already mentioned them. I'm here to help help educate. I'm here to help equip. And I'm here to help empower you to the gospel ministry. Very simple. That's who I am, and that's what I feel called to believe. Now, there's more things that we can unpack, but that is my basic premise of who I am as a pastor and as a Christian. And in general, I want to be able to help people. And I know as well, I'm going to make mistakes. Please forgive me. I acknowledge that. I am not a perfect person. I'm here to learn as well. One of the reasons why I I chose, I said yes to coming to this church is because you all value small groups, and it's an area of ministry that I am not very familiar with. I am here to learn just as much, okay? So please, 
Don't be afraid to reach out. Pastor, I got a question. Pastor, maybe want to share something with you. Okay? I'm always open to new ideas. I don't want to... It's not just I'm coming in with a game plan. I'm here for the first part just to listen to you all. Because I can't come in here with a plan when I have no idea who you are or what matters to you. We're going to work together. By God's grace, we're going to work together in the mission and the vision of this church. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm throwing this out. I'm going to give an opportunity for you all to sign up. uh, A time that you can go online. You can pick a slot and we're going to meet together. I just, and it's not going to be, I'm going to drill you on or anything like that. I simply want to know who you are, why you love this church, and what you want to do for the kingdom and what we can pray for. Does that sound good? All right. So, please, please, don't be afraid to reach out. So in Christ, we exercise our faith. And just like Peter, we get out of the boat. God calls us to church, but God does not expect us to stay in these walls. God calls us to go into the community, wherever you live, in the grocery store, the gas station, the postal office. Or at a, a, I was at a store yesterday, uh, and I was talking to a man, and I, I mentioned that uh, I was a pastor. And he was like, what? And, and he had a question. It was related to death, and we spent about five, ten minutes. I, had, I did not plan on talking about this particular topic, but we always have to be ready to share God's word. And, and the way, you know, we sometimes complicate evangelism. Kind of my pet peeve. We think we have to know everything, and it's important that we know scripture. I'm not, I'm not putting down anything. We should know scripture. We should know what we believe. But the most effective way of being able to share the gospel and bringing people into the church is what? Of your story of how God intervened in your life. When you look through the Gospels, and especially the book of Acts, the the woman at the well is the perfect example of discipleship, of evangelism, because Jesus met her, he talked to her, and she went to her village, and she said, everything that I had done, he already knew and said, and she brought the whole village, and Jesus spent three days working with these individuals. When you want to share your testimony, be able to share what God has done in your life. Because people want real examples of how God has helped you and made a difference. People know who you are in Christ because they know that God has an effect on you. So in Christ, we exercise our faith. We get out of the boat. God is calling us together to take a stand for Christ. So here in this church, in our community, in our work, in our neighborhood, wherever we are, always be ready to share your story. May we have the faith of Peter to get outside of the boat, to get uncomfortable, but know that we are not alone, that Christ is walking with us. He is always on duty. We are new creations in Christ. God has called us to be ambassadors in the work and to be actively participating. Will you join me in this new adventure at Downey SDA Church? Let us pray. God, today is the beginning of a new chapter and a new adventure in this church. We pray that, Lord, 
you will be with us. Help us to be faithful in you. Lead and guide us always, Lord. May we not rely on ourselves, and may we work together for your cause. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.